and welcome to another episode of Street Focus, an ongoing exploration of urban photography. I'm your host, Valérie Jardin. Today is a special episode. I have my friend and nature and wildlife photographer and podcaster, Martin Bailey on the show. And you're going to say, why a nature photographer on a street photography podcast? <laughs> well, <laughs> a few months ago, Martin and I came up with the idea of a street versus nature friendly face off for one of our shows. And so um, we figured, let's just let's just do this. We don't really have a plan, but um, <laughs> many of you probably have shot Things other than street. Um, for myself, actually, I wanted to be a nature wildlife photographer. That's that's why I picked up photography. So many you probably don't know that, but uh, so we've all experienced other things, and and we favor one or the other. So I thought it would be really fun to have Martin on the show and kind of compare notes. Hey, Martin, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks, Valerie. It's <laughs> lovely to talk with you again. And congratulations on your 500 episode yeah. of the Martin <laughs> yeah, Bailey thanks. show. And thanks, thanks so much for your lovely message. You, you know, you, you sent a message that we, we embedded into the, into the audio. It was great. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I, I could be there, but 500 episodes. That's, that's wild. I'm, uh, I was just, I can't, as I said, I can't even wrap my head around, around that. That seems so far off as I'm in episode 60 something at this point with street focus. But so some of the street focus audience, because they're street photographers, may not know who you are. So who is Martin Bailey? Yeah, well, I'm a, a nature and wildlife photographer based in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, as you can tell from the accent, I'm originally from England, but uh, moved here when I was like 24, which is uh, half my life ago. And um, I, I've based, you know, I worked in IT. I did a whole bunch of other stuff, went to college over here in Japan. And, uh, but five years ago, I basically ditched all of the my old life and went full-time photographer and I've been doing my podcast for what 10 years now so yeah, I, I generally try to get to 50 episodes a year out I've had a few things over the years that have prevented me from doing that but we a few months late we just reached 500 uh, but I I am really sort of I've concentrated a lot of my time on continuing to develop my nature and wildlife work. Um, I do, a, you know, probably laughable from your, from your perspective, but I do a little bit of street, but it's, on, it's, I think it's really, it's more about priorities and, mm -hmm. you know, we, we've all only got a certain amount of time. And I, I tended to, I felt as though nature and wildlife was pulling me in that direction. And when, you know, especially when you've got a day job and you've only got a, a finite amount of time to, to go out and do your photography, I think we, we prioritize it and do the things that we love first. So for me, it was nature and wildlife. Uh, the, but, yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. And, and your work is beautiful. You also print a lot. You've written some books. So yeah. uh, that's one thing that I haven't um, delved into yet is the printing part of the, of the photography. And I don't think I would have the time. But um, yeah, so as I said earlier, when I picked up my first serious camera, um, about 18 years ago, mm. my goal was to become a nature and wildlife photographer, especially wildlife, because I was already living in Minnesota, which mm. has, you know, we have wolves, we have bears. I mean, yeah. I have foxes and deer in the backyard and, and coyotes. <laughs> uh, mm. So to me, it was it made sense. You know, although I live near a really large city, uh, that that was my first draw to photography. So uh, I'm sure a lot of the listeners are really surprised mm. by this, but it didn't last very long i mean i love nature i love everything that's i mean i love it i i appreciate the beauty i i photograph it i have a, a lot of images of you know snowy landscapes and so forth mm. but but for some reason what really stuck is the the city and the people so i think it's definitely a personality thing yeah, we, um, we've we've joked, uh, you know, because we communicate communicate quite regularly, and mm -hmm. we've joked over the years that, you know, we should just swap addresses. Yeah, because because <laughs> I I live in like a street photography mecca and do That's very right. little street photography, and you live where I'd love to live with, with the wildlife <laughs> and stuff around you. So you that's know, right. I mean, it's it, but it it really is you you 
assign the time that you have to do the things that you love. And you're obviously attracted to street photography a lot more than you are the nature. So, yeah. and, 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 and you excel at what you love too. And that's, more. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. You, you know, you, you really um, put, you put the time in you to, to learn the, te- the techniques that you need to develop. And you, you know, I mean, I have to, when I, photographing the best places here in Japan to shoot wildlife, I have to get on a plane and take a domestic flight to where <laughs> I'm going to go. Um, you know, the snow monkeys are a three, four hour drive, so I yeah. can get there. It's usually a, a, f- a few days at least in a trip. But when I go to do the, my, my red crown cranes and sea eagles and stuff, that's, that's a, a 90 minute domestic flight up to the island of Hokkaido. So, so it takes I, some you know, planning. It does. It does. Yeah. But that's, that's also, you know, it does mean that I, I get time it, it, because I am in Tokyo. If I, if I have a little bit of time to go out and do something, I can go and do some street photography if I want to. But, I, you know, I often just find that, it, that any, any street work that I do is, is really just me with a camera when I've got to go and do something else. Mm-hmm. And I'll throw a camera over my arm and if I see something, I'll shoot it. But because I don't do it that often, I've never really got that good at it. You know, it's, yeah. you, you know, you don't develop the skills unless you do something regularly. That's right. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because I will always take my camera with me. You know, I, I shoot with a small camera and I always take it with me when we go even on family outings that are urban. If mm. we go for a hike, I don't even take it yeah. anymore because I figure, OK, that's, you know, I'm just going to, I feel like I wouldn't, I wouldn't give nature, um, how do you say that? I, I wouldn't capture it. I'd rather capture it with my eyes because I know I wouldn't have the skills and the patience and post-processing to really render it the way I see it necessarily. Mm. Uh, so I figure, well, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy it just with my eyes and experience it. And so, and I, sometimes I feel, okay, maybe I should have taken the camera, but I've limited mm. myself so much with gear now that I feel, okay, well, wildlife out of the question, I'm shooting with a 23 millimeter lens, you know? Mm. I would have to get pretty close now. Uh, So I've kind of made those adjustments that fits what I want to shoot. And and I'm okay with that. You know, I it's it's not like there is no going back, but I don't really want to. Yeah. 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 I you know, I think that there's there's a lot to be said for for just taking in the scene. Mm -hmm. Um, But but, you know, I occasionally I will. Because you know, my my wife gets really frustrated if we go out together somewhere. If it's if it's a job, you know, she actually works part time for my company. So if it's a job, she's an assistant. That's a different thing. But if it's just me and her going for a walk in the park, the first thing she'll ask when I say, "Shall we go for a walk?" is, "Are you taking your camera?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if, and if the answer is yes, I'm, I want to photograph this, then it's oh, okay. Well, maybe I'm not going to go. You go. <laughs> um, but if it's if it's Oh, no, I'll leave the camera at home, which I'm only saying for her benefit. But if I say, no, I'll leave the camera at home, then it's okay. Yeah, let's go then. And we go for a walk and that's it. But it kills me. You know, I, I hate not having the camera with me oh, to, yeah. to photograph the, you know. So, so what I generally do is I, I, I will say sometimes, okay, I'll take one camera and I'm not going to spend more than a, uh, one, one lens and I'm not going to spend more than a few minutes in any one place. And then we'll, we'll go out and do a compromise. But a lot of the time, it's it's really a case of me doing one or the other. But but I actually have nightmares about being it somewhere, something amazing happening, and not having my camera with me. It's oh, I it's weird. Totally relate. You're gonna. I'm gonna tell you a funny story. Um, and my husband is gonna. I won't believe I said that. But <laughs> we were on a date, and uh, we went to Minneapolis one night, and yeah. I. He knows I'll take my camera with me. It's kind of like my uh, security blanket, you know, for a kid. <laughs> if I don't have it, I'm going to yeah. really get stressed out. So for peace of mind, I always take it, even if I don't use it, but I always take it. And I like to, you know, I'm, I'm at restaurants and I like to photograph, not my food, but like my glass of wine and then a waiter coming through the scene, you know, and motion blur. You know, if we go to a fancy restaurant, I think it's kind of cool. So I'm always looking for those shots, you know, mm-hmm. where there are people. And so we're we're leaving. And halfway there, I say, oh, shoot, I don't have a memory card, you know. Uh, 
<laughs> and I said, oh, well, then I said, well, that's okay. I'm trying to, you know, make myself feel better. So I go, that's okay. You know, I should really not take my camera on a date anyways. And, and then he says, oh, no, we're stopping at the store right now because I want to have a good evening. <laughs> so he knew very well that my comfort level was just going to, was not going to be the same if I had the camera but couldn't use it. I was probably going to get a little edgy. And um, so we got the, the memory card. I didn't use it much that night, but I knew I could. And just that kind of took the edge off. And, uh, and he's completely okay with that. He's very patient. I mean, he won't even touch his drink before asking me, okay, can I drink now? Are you done with this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so can I, can, I, uh, can I start drinking or are you still shooting it? Uh, yeah. So he's so used to that. But um, yeah, for me, it's, uh, I, I get really, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to get really anxious mm. if I don't have my camera with me. So I completely relate. So it's good to know that it's not just a street photographer thing. yeah yeah Yeah. so anyway so let's compare subjects uh so wildlife what's your favorite subject for me it's probably got to be the snow monkeys Mm -hmm. i i love photographing the big birds the the red crown crane and the stellar sea eagles the white-tailed eagles in up in hokkaido but i i think that the the snow monkeys are just so human they're so much like us that you know we they've got Obviously, I mean, we share like 98% of our DNA or something like that. And you can see so much human um, behavior in them and their expressions. So, I mean, I've, I've captured expressions where like naughty children and, and the, the adults there holding their young in the snow, protecting them. Or, you know, I mean, we, we actually, um, we, we put all of these human emotions into the photographs but the reality is is when a when a mother is holding her young she's actually just getting warm from it mm-hmm. and and the, you know it's just a protection thing but when but we because they're so similar to us we can put all of these human emotions and things into that there, there's a certain amount of emotion you know they're 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 closer to us than we think they they have fun they they get sad they get angry so but i think that that's that's the main thing so for me Probably the snow monkeys is, is are my my best or my my favorite subject. So very similar to um, to what I look for on the streets, you know, is that the expression, the gesture. Mm. Pretty much, you have to capture that too. So it would be a similar challenge, I would imagine. Yeah, except I that, think... except that they kind of all look interesting because they look alike. Whereas yeah. the street photographer will have to look for really interesting subjects. You don't yeah. have a few tourists blending into with your snow monkeys in <laughs> <Yeah>. the streets <laughs> we have to kind of you know weed through the tourists to uh, find the authentic well you know we we have similar problems because the snow monkeys are a popular subject and you get busloads of people turning <laughs> up and so so we actually you know that i for example when i when i send out my guidebook for people that come with me on my tours there i i have a note in there that it's better if you come with dark clothing, black clothing, because if you wear blue or red and you're on the other side of the water, because it's where the, the, um, the snow monkeys sit in the hot spring bath. Mm-hmm. And of course, anything that's above the bath, if, if you've got something bright colored, it reflects in there. That's right. And so, you know, we, we're, we do have to work around people. Um, a lot of the, the photos that you see of the snow monkeys, apart from the wide shots where you can see everyone around the pool, they're, they're very specifically framed so that it looks more natural. Yeah. But the reality is, is you're often standing shoot, photographing between two or three other people and you know, there's people everywhere. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we similar um, challenges there as well. So I've never been attacked by a subject on the streets. Um, I know mm. some people have had some close encounters and people getting angry at them. Uh, mm. I haven't. I mean, I've had a few people say, oh, no, I don't want my picture taken or asking me, did you just take my picture? You know, um, mm. but um, never, never a bad experience is all those years of photographing streets all over the world. Um, how about you? Have you ever been attacked by a? A subject? I haven't been attacked. By Humans one, or not? I, Human or not? <laughs> yeah. But um, the thing, the thing is with the snow monkeys is that they they will um, they can get angry and aggressive, yeah. 
I, I always tell my groups before we go in there that don't touch them, don't stare at them for too long. You know, if you want to look, look at them a long time, just look through your camera because they, they're used to that. And, um, and don't eat near them. Um, but I, I actually learned not to eat near them because I tried to have a snack bar once when I was out there, the first visit. And the moment I started to rustle the paper, I heard a, the, the pitter-patter of, of wet feet on the rock. And by, by the time I turned around, there was a large, I, I think it was a female, um, but there was a large female snow monkey in the air jumping for me. Whoa. Um, and I, I, you know, she, she grabbed hold of my arm and I sort of swung around and she, she fell onto the, no, it fell, you know, she didn't sort of fall over, but she, um, she jumped down onto the snow and I, I put the snack bar in my pocket and hid it and she just went, went back about her business. But yeah, so I mean, you, yeah, you, you do have to be a little bit careful, mm-hmm. but I have, even having said that, I had one, one guy a few years ago. I told the bus, you don't touch them. And, and the moment we walked in there, he, he reached out and touched one of, I think it was the alpha male. And this, you know, these, these guys have got big, like inch long fangs. And when one sort of, you know, sticks up his, his haunches and he's sort of, he's giving you the, okay, do that again and I'll take your hand off. Look, you, you kind of believe them because they, they can, you know, they're wild animals at the end of the day. They're only, um, they're very used to humans being around them. But, you know, they've, they've, a lot of them, they've been living there in that colony f- for like, what, 60 years now. Mm-hmm. I think they started that park in the, or, or the, that colony was there from around the early 60s. So they're used to people, but at the end of the no, day, they still are wild, wild animals that's and right. they're, they're allowing us into their domain. So mm-hmm. you have to respect them. Yep. But I think that that's the main thing, though. If you're respectful, you're generally okay and, you know, you're yeah. It depends what the, what the subject is. Again, course. another similarity. I mean, the number one, number one rule in street photography is respect, you know. And, yep. um, and I always tell my students, you know, I, I make a point of not photographing people in an embarrassing situation, a vulnerable situation yep. um, for that reason. So um, interesting how we find some similarities with uh, our different subjects. So uh, one thing that I always... Uh, kind of say as a joke when I do my presentation is that, well, good thing, you know, the good part is that you don't have to get up at four in the morning <laughs> to travel <laughs> to where you want to shoot sunrise because we want to be out in the street when people are out and about. So we usually start, you know, at the cafe on, in Paris at <laughs> 9 a.m., you know. Yeah. Uh, and um, a year ago in the fall, I remember I had we had two best friends who were on our workshops at the same time. You were in Iceland and I was in Paris. Mm. And I don't know if you're aware of that, but they were exchanging pictures throughout the the, the week, you know. Uh. And uh, so one is sitting with a glass of wine at the cafe and the other one is, you know, with his rain jacket <laughs> dripping yeah. and cold. And the whole week was kind of an exchange of pictures like, well, it's not Iceland, but, you know, and the other one said, well, it's not Paris, but, you know, and they would send <laughs> pictures of each other. And I thought yeah. that was just hilarious. And uh, so, so tell me what, um, so you do get up early on your, uh, when you're on a photo adventure, mm. I assume to, uh, so you, you do favor the, the, the early and the evening and the later part of the day, or do you shoot all day? What is your it, take it, on that? It depends. I mean, generally we shoot all day, mm-hmm. but there, there's a number of reasons for that. The, the thing is though, is yes, we do end up getting early. So when we shoot all day. We can, especially if we're trying to get something that happens at dawn, it usually means that you've got to, you've got to be there before dawn yeah. because, you know, if you get up and get there, even when the sun's on the horizon, it's sometimes too late. So, you know, we, even in the wintertime, the, the sun comes up relatively early in, in northern Japan. So we, we have to be up at sometimes around 4 a.m., like you mm-hmm. say. And then we'll get down to, to a location and we'll wait for the sun to come up and we'll hope that stuff happens. Um, but then for a lot of the time, because the f- sort of photography that I do is often reliant on bad weather, it's, it's actually a benefit because we, especially like, for example, in, in Iceland, I, I really don't like it when the sun comes out. <laughs> so, you know, I prefer overcast. I prefer big, heavy skies. And when, when you do that, the light is diffused by the clouds. And so, um, 
and also I, I shoot in the winter a lot. And the wind in the winter time, of course, the sun's low in the sky. So because of that, you get either diffused light because of the clouds, or you get um, the the very low angle of the sun means that it's it, you're never that far out of the golden hours. Mm-hmm. So generally, we shoot all day. Yeah. Um. And but if if I'm photographing, say for example, just flowers in a park here in Tokyo, I'll do that in the summertime sometimes. Um. If it's clear, I just I just diffuse the light myself. You know, okay. I, I actually take a big triangular um, diffuser. And I'll hold it over the subject. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I'll generally, no matter what it is, I don't worry too much about the time. But it, at, the, at the ends, either sides of those days, I do still try to get out. So it means that they're long days. And David Dushman, he came on one of my Winter Wonderland, the wildlife tours uh, here in Japan a few years ago. And one of the things he said was that, you know, don't come here if you're looking for a holiday. And he said, <laughs> like Mar- Martin really marches his troops. Yeah. And, and that's, that's true. I mean, we, we get tired. Yeah. And, and I do too, time, mm, <laughs> but at different yeah, times you, of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing is, is that I, with all of my tours, we generally spend two days in each location minimum. And because of that, it means that people, if they want to, they can often have a morning off. Mm-hmm. If they don't want to go out at dawn, they, they, they're going to forfeit the, the chance of getting some great shots. But if they do get too tired, they, they generally can have a rest. But the majority of the time, everyone just battles through and goes home yeah. with some great, great images. Oh, exactly. And um, so, yeah, we, I, as I always say, in, in, I mean, I don't think in, in photography there is any, there is bad light. There is easy light and there is light that's going to make you work harder and yeah. uh, that's definitely true in street photography I and mean, we have we have so little control um mm. as in the street i mean we can't control we can't control the light we can't control the the subject we can only we control our vision and our gear and then we need to be discerning but um we shoot all day i mean i i love the harsh shadows you know or, or the long shadows at the end of the day uh late afternoon if you if you're shooting from above you have those long shadows that, of, of people that that's really really cool um and um and but of course i mean the 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 golden hour is beautiful on the street too um mm. uh, of course but it's really we there is absolutely no limit and you know rain is wonderful as a street photographer, oh, so sure. it's fog. And, and same, same with you. I mean, or after the rain, you know, for you, the, the colors are so vibrant. Yeah. And uh, well, for, there's a reason that we call saturated colors saturated. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> They're saturated with rain. <laughs> yeah. It does uh, make them more, more vibrant. But more vibrant. And, uh, and for us in the street, you know, when it's raining, people behave differently. The umbrellas come out and, and that's, mm. that's wonderful. So, yeah. um, as, so, uh, when when it's raining, street photographers because they're using smaller gear usually, and uh, they just use an umbrella. You know, you have the camera on one hand, in one hand, the umbrella in the other hand, and you just uh, you just just keep shooting. Um, and we can go inside too. We have some options that you don't have, so we're we can shelter ourselves from the from the elements. We can shoot in train stations and subways and museums. Mm. So we have all those because uh, there are pe- as long as there are people, you know, we can shoot. So uh, it you you're a bit more limited in that respect that you have to to um to fight the elements yeah you have to be outside so um so tell me a little bit about that well let's let's talk about the gear because Mm. we we um we exchanged pictures (laughs) for our gear and that was quite funny um what uh I can go out with very, very little investment. Uh, one camera, one lens. You know, I mean, my camera can't even remove the lens, um, and that's it. That's all I carry. So my bag, if I have, if I carry one, is very, very light. You, mm. on the other hand, have, have to carry the heavy gear. You're still shooting DSLR, yeah. and you have quite an investment in some really expensive lenses. T- tell me a little bit about that. What's your What's your day pack? Yeah. Well. You, you'll probably be putting a, a photo of yeah, this we'll into the, the blog photo. post yeah. so people can go and look at this. But I have, I have three bags that I use, but the, the two that I've included in the photograph, one is the largest and one is the smallest. <laughs> so so the, uh, the smallest bag that I use is really, um, 
this is this it's a Gura Gear 18 liter bag um and it still weighs about 12 kilograms when it's full of my gear <sighs> so that's what that's like 50 pounds no uh, 30, 12 30 would pounds, be yeah 30 pounds not barely but yeah yeah but if i'm doing wildlife then that means that i've i've got to have my 200 to 400 millimeter lens with me um and before that it was a similarly priced 600 millimeter lens but the you know if you're going to do wildlife then you need at least one super telephoto yeah and they usually cost as much as a small car yeah so you know, I mean, this this thing is literally it's twelve thousand dollars to buy. Wow. So, so you've you, you're going to have something like that, and of course, it weighs like eight pounds or so. It so weighs like gonna... a car. It weighs like <laughs> a small car. <laughs> yeah, it costs. It's actually a small car. Um, but yeah, so there's there's that. I also have uh, the one hundred to four hundred millimeter. I've got two bodies. I never shoot with it with any less than two bodies. And I actually, it's not a backup. I actually shoot with two bodies. So I, I've got like a double strap from Black Rapid with the with one camera on one side and another one on, on the other. Or I'm using a a large tri, a tripod with a gimbal head for the for the super telephoto. Um, but I I also pretty much always, even if I'm photographing birds, I'll have something like the twenty four to seventy millimeter. On a camera by my side, because uh, for example, the the birds sometimes fly right overhead, mm-hmm. and you can get great shots by just lifting a camera up and and photographing that as they fly over your head. I mean, I, I've got photos of cranes full frame at fifty, sixty millimeters, so it's always useful to have that. Um, but the reality is, is that whenever I'm out, even if I'm doing wildlife, you're in a beautiful location. So I, I sometimes go to places where I'm only going to be shooting the landscape, and that's when the smaller bag comes in. I don't take the super telephoto, mm-hmm. but I I will always have at least um, my my wide angle lenses uh, as well because if you're in a beautiful location, then sometimes you you want to capture that location rather than you know. So I flip between landscape and wildlife quite regularly um, on trips, mm-hmm. and so. I've always, the minimum I can shoot with, I, I was in Namibia earlier this year where we're going to be doing landscape and wildlife and culture. So I had the 100 to 400 millimeter for the long end. I had the uh, 11 to 24 millimeter for the wide end and the 24 to 70 in the middle. And, but so I am actually, that, and that's now, I'm actually able to travel with less gear now because of the, the, the recent, you know, two of those lenses that I've just mentioned have only been released by Canon in the last year, and they've allowed me to scale down. So I can travel with two bodies and three lenses now, but it still weighs about 12 kilograms. Wow. You're going to keep your chiropractor happy for many years to come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you know, I, I think, honestly, I think that my, my, I do sometimes get back pain, yeah. but I get, I get back pain through working at the desk too long sometimes. Yeah. I, I actually feel as though when I'm out and about, I'm, I'm in better shape than I am when I'm at home. Um, but, but it doesn't mean that it's, it's any less tiring. You know, carrying that amount of gear around, especially when you have to walk a distance, can be, can be very tiring. Yeah, and that's when, you know, then the bag and the quality of the bag is important. But I totally agree. I mean, I'll walk, you know, 15 kilometers every day in any city and I'm not tired at all. And it's not just because of the gear. I mean, it's just that because that's, what I love to do and I, I can walk forever. I, I don't think walking, I will never, I've never complained of feeling tired from walking. And, mm. uh, but, but being on the computer, um, that's where I get the neck strain and the back strain. And right. um, I, I stand up now all the time when I'm uh, working, um, when I'm working on my desktops, I have a standing desk and I've never even, lo- I can lower it, but I've never even lowered it. I always have it standing. And yeah. that has helped me a lot. Um, mm. Definitely. That was the best thing I bought in recent years is that standing <laughs> uh, very desk because mm. uh, we're not really meant for sitting, you know, um, no, no. The, we're, you know, either... it, it, it took us, it took us 50,000 years to stand up or, <laughs> or longer. And yeah. now, now we're hunched back over again, like the, a gorilla. That's right. So, uh, yeah. So clothing is another really important thing because, um, and I think you may be on more an advantage, but you probably have a lot more, uh, expensive stuff to buy. Cause I mean, as a street photographer, you need to blend in 
So mm. I'm usually wearing, you know, black because I'm often in Paris. <laughs> so I blend in with my people there. Um, and, um, and I don't have to worry about, you know, super warm clothing because, as I said, if it gets to the point where it's so uncomfortable, nobody's going to be outside anyways. And I'm probably mm. going to shoot at the museum or the train station. Um, mm. And I just carry a very small travel umbrella. Uh, I don't even need to carry any uh, rain gear for my for my camera um my problem is shoes because i wear you know city clothes and i don't want to wear hiking shoes or tennis Mm -hmm. shoes necessarily so um it's always the 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 quest for and i spend a lot of money on shoes comfortable shoes but the quest for the pair of shoes that's gonna allow you to walk all day in comfort uh in a city that's uh, that's always uh, tricky, but you have to get all the Gore-Tex and all the the mm. heavy equipment, right? Yeah, so. I mean, clothing is is a big investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I remember the first trip that I did to Hokkaido, where I mean, because it, it gets cold up there. Mm-hmm. It, basically, the weather fronts from Siberia come down and beat on on the northern island of Japan. And so, I mean, I've had minus 35 Celsius up there, mm-hmm. um, which is probably about minus 35 Fahrenheit. Yeah. I think it, it's around where they minus, meet. Around, oh, yeah, just around about. minus 30 is yeah. just about where they meet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we've had really cold up there. And it means that you, you do have to be protected. But it's like you were saying in the, in the rain. Uh, in Iceland, we, it's, it doesn't get as cold, but you, you have to protect yourself from the rain. So there's always with, with wildlife and um, and nature photography, you, you always end up having to spend a little bit, well, from a little bit to a, quite a lot on good clothing, mm-hmm. but it's, it's worth it. I mean, I, I actually, if anyone's interested, I, I have a blog post that I did uh, for clothing for a winter photography tour. And uh, I think if you, you can get to that at mbp.ac slash 398, because it was episode 398. Um, and it's you know there's a lot of investment in clothing and i literally just bought about what a month ago for this coming season i've just bought a new uh, photography jacket a warm photography jacket and it it was eight hundred dollars wow you know, so so what's that, a photography I mean, jacket it has a lot of pockets well it's, it's kind of like yeah, a vest it's, it's got large pockets on the you, there's a big zip, you know, the main zipper for, for putting the, you know, for actually closing it. There's, there's two more zips either side of that, and they open these big compartments so I can put big lenses and camera bodies and things in there if I want to. Um, and there's also, yeah, there's lots of pockets for putting in various other stuff. Um, but it's, it's always expensive because it has, yeah. to be, it has to be not only warm, but it has to be Gore-Tex because it, you could be out if, in rain. The good thing about the winter, my, my real deep winter photography tours, is that it doesn't rain, it snows, and snow isn't wet until it melts. That's so, right, yeah. So, so you, you end up with, you know, you don't ha- need the Gore-Tex so much, but on those same tours, we're sometimes in places where it can rain, and if it does, and you're just in a down jacket that's not Gore-Tex, you're going to get pretty miserable pretty quickly, because those things just suck up the water. Yeah. So... You need you need the clothing. You need warmth. I, I dress in layers. I pretty much always have these big baffin boots on that go down to minus seventy because mm-hmm. they they will they're they're comfortable to walk in. You know you you're not going to want to be hiking for for miles and miles. But if you have to walk a few miles to your location, then they're still comfortable to walk in and they keep you warm all day. It's usually so, when you're standing and waiting that you're going to get cold, anyways. So. Well, that's that's yeah. when the warm stuff comes in, and mm-hmm. and and that's actually one of the reasons why I've just replaced my my winter jacket because the one that I've bought has the ability to zip in a fleece, but if yeah. you take the fleece out, it's not that thick, so yeah. I'll be able to walk in walk for a few miles without totally overheating, which is what's been happening for the last few years with my big heavy down jacket. So and I, I can relate to the cold because I mean in Minnesota it gets to those oh, yeah. temperatures, but. Yeah. Uh, um, for me right now, shooting in the street, it's the only, the, the one thing, I'm, I mean, I'm well equipped here if I want to shoot in the, in, in the winter. Well, there's not going to be a whole lot of people, but, mm. uh, it's my batteries that are not going to last. Yeah. <laughs> the little well, batteries know, on the new, the little cameras are just, 
they don't handle the cold at all. Yeah, I mean, years ago, the batteries for, for DSLRs were, were not great either. But now I just don't have to, you know, they, they last. They, they do deplete a little bit quicker than, than when you're using them above freezing. But even when you're down to like minus 20, minus 30, the batteries tend to, to hold out now. So mm-hmm. I think that's one advantage of the larger batteries that you get in, yeah. in the, the SLRs. For sure. And, uh, and also to keep the extra batteries next to your body so that they stay warm. And they actually mm. recharge. I mean, uh, my Fuji uh, X100 camera, um, mm. it shows that the battery is dead. But if I put it in an inside pocket, I can use it again an hour later. It, it's yeah. actually not dead. The, there's yeah. still quite a bit of charge, uh, so it, it's um, it's just a matter of keeping it warm for a while, yeah. and uh, and reusing it. But yeah, I learned that the the hard way when the first winter with uh, with my Fuji gear, I wasn't mm. used to. You know, I was I went from Canon 5D Mark II to the Fuji, so the the, the batteries would last for days, <laughs> and then and like oh, I need three for the day, you know. Yeah, and in yeah. cold weather, I needed, you know, more than that. So, uh, so that was kind of a, an adjustment. But again, not not a really big deal when you're shooting street because you can always go to the cafe and <laughs> and yeah. then uh, warm up or plug in your your, your battery charger. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so, Martin, what what drives you um, as a nature wildlife photographer? What what keeps you going out there? What what makes nature and wildlife what you want to do? You know, I think it's this is probably the same for for any genre of photography, but I think it's just the the thrill of bagging something that is really really compelling. Um, you know, I have photographs that. I I, ge- I generally tend to go through them and, and throw them up on the desktop every now and again. Um, but I, I go through a series of images that I just keep coming back to. And they're often images that have either landscape or wildlife, but ones that really, really, I feel are compelling. Um, for example, I, I've got a, a photograph on the desktop of my iMac that I'm looking at right now. And it's a a photograph from Iceland last year where there was these deep glacial blue chunks of ice on the beach. And I, I'd got the camera set up for a few second exposure. So the water was smoothing over and there was all of a sudden there was a shaft of light came through these two pieces of ice. I think this is one of the photos that I've sent you. So you'll probably, you'll probably yeah, put I'll this in the blog post, yeah. but if you take a look at one of them, there's, there's this a chunk of ice in, in between some larger pieces. And I didn't expect this was going to happen, but just as the sun was in the right location, there was a break in the heavy clouds and a shaft of light came through these two pieces of larger ice and hit the small piece of ice. And it behaved like a prism and focused the light down on the ground in the, in the, the couple of second long exposure water. And I, I just thought, oh my God, look at that. I, I, made a, I made a few frames, I looked at them and I thought, you know what, you need to get a bit lower. So I lowered the tripod down and I got probably one of my favorite photos ever. Ever. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the, that's the thing. It's the thrill yeah. of, of getting a photograph that you absolutely love. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to, you know, to understand what you, what you like, what you want to photograph, because I, I can't get quite that attached or that sort of not emotional, but I can't be moved as much um, by certain other types of photo- photographs. I, I mean, I honestly, I'll photograph anything. I, I have street, street work. Like, for example, I, I love playing around making music in very, I'm not very good at it, but I love making music. And a few weeks ago, a couple of, maybe a month or so ago, I, for the first time in like, well, it must be 30 years, I bought a cheap guitar, an electric guitar. The first thing I did before I started playing with it was threw it on my, on my, um, a black piece of, uh, seamless and made a, a truckload of photos of it. <laughs> yeah. And, and for a few days I'd got a, just this, this Gibson copy guitar on my, on my desktop. So it, it all depends on how you feel. And, mm-hmm. but I think that we, we, we just, if we're compelled to make a photograph, if we'd like something, you know, I mean, I've, I've fallen in love with that guitar. It's like, it's this, this sleek black sort of beautiful guitar and I, I'm playing around 
strumming away on it each night. But I, um, I, if something moves you, if something yeah. compels you to to lift the camera, then I'll shoot anything. But I think mm-hmm. that we, it really is important to photograph what you love. And you touched on that earlier. You you gravitate towards what you love doing. Yeah. And and you know it can be a any number of things. Yeah, I I totally agree because I I look at ordinary ordinary objects and I photograph them because the mm. light hits them a, a certain way and I have an ongoing project on ordinary objects are beautiful. Um, mm. I I do photograph you know um, nature once in a while still, uh, but and I, I'm definitely drawn to urban. So uh, if it's not people, it's most likely still going to be urban it'll be some mm. texture or something uh mm. that uh, that really interests me that moves me same as you said um mm. for me why did street really why why is it street why is it people i think it was the the challenge of mm. photographing a moment that only lasts for a fraction of a second that that it's never happened before that will never happen again that nobody can replicate even myself mm. because the moment is gone and capturing yeah. that slice of life i feel like it's uh as street photographers it's it's like we have a mission we have to document it's part of yeah. you know um to document life and uh because look at you know when we look back at photographs from 50 60 years ago look at all the photographs from that we found from vivian meyer uh the the wealth of information we get from those photographs and uh so although you know there are a lot of um, laws and regulations against street photography and so forth and i find that really sad and i'm going to fight for this and nothing will ever stop me from shooting street photography because i'm not doing anything wrong Mm. And uh, and I find it would be so sad if we couldn't do it because all we would have left is what surveillance tapes, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and footage from that, and not special moments because what we photograph on the street is beautiful, and yeah. um, and I think it's um, yeah, it's it's like a. It's like a mission. It's like it's something that I feel I'm compelled to do. I have to do. It's, it's really my, my job to to capture beautiful moments on the street. I'm not out for the sensational or anything like that. That's not me. Um, I'm not a photojournalist. I just want to capture life. And yeah. um, and I think it is the, the, the challenge of of seeing and and the satisfaction of knowing that that will never be replicated. Ever, mm. ever, ever again. Not yeah. even two street photographers sitting, standing in the same street corner will not will not photograph the same thing. I mean, in, in a similar way. Although, when you have, if you have fifteen f- photographers looking at El Capitan, chances are there's going to be some similar versions yeah. of it. But, yeah. but, but people will see it differently too. They, some people will have a a, a foreground that's going to be. Um, you know, that will include a foreground versus others will just get closer in or whatever. So mm. um, uh, same same as street photographers standing in the same location. I, I assume that landscape photographers, same thing, looking at the same thing will not photograph them the same way necessarily. Yeah, you, 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 we can have, I mean, I, I generally travel in, in groups of 12 to 14 people and, and we'll all come back with something different, different all, yeah. you know, but it's, you know, they, they, it really does depend on the location and, and the people. But at the end of the day, a, a really good, I mean, people can probably look at some of my photographs that, they, that they've seen me share and know that it was one of mine. Um, I've, I've had this sort of comment before. And also people do remember a specific photograph. But I think that it's always the ones, and this, is, this comes back to your question about what drives you. It's the ones that really we that we really do feel are compelling. The mm-hmm. ones that touch us in some way. Yeah. And because if if it do, if your image doesn't touch someone, they're not going to remember it. They're yeah. not going to come back to it and say. I mean, a, a red crown crane or two red crown cranes dancing on the snow. There are millions of photographs of them, but there are there are a few that were just such a special moment and such special light or something like that that people do tend to remember them. And the, for me, it's the, it's the challenge of getting something like that 
And I mean, because I, I remember I've got one Red Crown Crane photo that I, it, it basically took me 10 years to get. It was, I was going there for a number of, a number of days, probably what, a, a full week each year. So it's not a lot in, you know, compared to something that you can do closer to home, but going there for about a week each year in various, broken up into, into two, three days at a time. I, uh, I finally, after about 10 years, got the photo that I wanted when I first started going there. But it's because you've got no control over yeah. what the animals do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but I, and I know that I will probably never see a similar photo from someone else. That's but, true. But there's a lot of, a lot of images that, I mean, even, even in my own catalogue that are very similar. I mean, I've seen photos on, on the TV and I've thought, is that one of mine? And it isn't. It's not someone stealing my photo. It's just so similar that, mm-hmm. you know, you think, you know, it's because there's not a lot you can do when it's most animals, unlike humans, most animals are almost exact replicas of each other. You know, yeah. you look at one red crown crane, it might be larger or smaller than the one next to it, but they're basically very, very similar. And so it, it, you, can't, you don't get that, the ability to, to differentiate because of how someone looks. And yeah. that, that, I think, is one of the, the things about street photography that, that really does make it very, very different. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it's really all about our, I mean, you and I, we, although we don't necessarily see it ourselves in our work, but we have our signature style in the way mm. we shoot. And, and although that kind of changes with time and experiences, but, um, and it's, it's, it's all about shooting with your heart. And I think that's why we are good at what, at, at those, those genres of photographies, because that's where our passion is. And, mm. and as we said earlier, you're, you will do better work if you're passionate about the subject matter. And, yeah. um, yeah, for sure. sure. And it's, um, yeah. So, I mean, you have the same, I mean, you get in the zone just like I do. And, um, and mm. it's so similar. It's just that the subject matters are, are so different. And, um, and, and you probably one person that enjoys, you know, silence and peaceful moments where I need noise. So mm. it really totally <laughs> reflects our personality. Uh, yeah, I, sure. I need constant motion, constant. Um, yeah, I, I would like some people say, oh, it'd be really nice uh, to, you know, to get away in a, to, a, you know, a mountain cabin, you know, without Internet. I'm like, oh. Gosh, no, <laughs> maybe for an hour. <laughs> yeah. That's probably all I could stand. I need noise. I need hustle yeah. and bustle of the city. So that's definitely a, a, a personality. Otherwise, I would not be photographing people on the street and enjoying so much spending time, you know, days in Paris or New York or wherever, because that's, mm. you know, that's where I feel the most at home. So, well, that was yeah. so interesting because really... Um, there are so many similarities, mm. uh, you know, in the way we approach things and, and some yeah. huge differences, you know, I mean, look at the gear and all that stuff. But uh, yeah. but, when, you know, it's all the tool that we need to do our job, really. Yeah. You know, and I, I have to say that I do I envy you and, and people that, that do your sort of photography, because I, I would love to be able to do, you know, if Canon or any camera, camera manufacturer brought out a, a 50 megapixel camera that has a, a, a five to a thousand millimeter lens, F, F 2.8, that's about, you know, half a pound, <laughs> then <laughs> You're I, I'd, be all, I'd be all over it. But of course, you know, at the moment, that's Could not possible. Could be a little while. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think if the laws of, unless the laws of physics change, change. it's never going to be possible. But, you know, I mean, I do envy you. I love, I love the idea of being able to shoot with the gear that you have. I mean, you look at the two photos that we, we sent each other. Um, you've got this the beautiful, your, your Fuji. Um, what, what, it's what's, the is X100S it? on that picture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to be able to shoot with not only a, a camera that small, but the lens, you know, everything about yeah, the small. I actually have the uh, the 40 millimeter STM lens from Canon. Mm-hmm. I use it as a body cap. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But, it, but it's be, because it's so small. It's, yeah. like, it's like, like their pancake lens. That's what I was shooting um, street 
bef- uh, with my DSLR before I yeah. switched. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, that you was know my, then. I mean, it's yeah. a great little lens. Mm-hmm. It even holds up just about to the 50, yeah. 50 megapixels of the 5DS. Um, so I, I'll shoot with that. And I often, if I'm going out and I'm just going for a walk, I don't really need a camera, but I want to take one as much, like you say, for the security blanket aspect, <laughs> then I'll sometimes take the battery grip off my camera and just put the 40 millimeter on there and throw it over my shoulder. Yeah. And then it's actually a really small package. And I, I don't mind <laughs> having said that. I had it over my shoulder when I went last went to visit um, the doc. I have to go to a, a doctor every three months to get some medication. And I had it over my shoulder and he said, oh, can I have a quick look at your camera? And I handed it to him. And to me, it's like the lightest sort of configuration <laughs> I can do. He almost he dropped said, wow. it. He said, wow, it's so heavy. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like oh, it's, it's like a body, no battery grip and a 40 millimeter lens. It doesn't get much lighter than that, but it does. And, and that's the sort of thing that, that you're able to shoot with. So, yeah. you know, I, I concede hands down when it comes to the fact that, you know, I, I would love to be able to carry the, the gear that you have. And, uh, and you know, I, I just think that there is a lot for me to be envious of in the sort of photography that you do. So, yeah, yeah. I think the thing is, is we, we, we sort of we put this together as a bit of a face off. Yeah. But I think that we're two good friends to beat each other up. And we both understand that, that we, uh, you know, that, that we both, we both enjoy what we do. And that's and right. We respect that. So. Yeah, totally. Well, I think, I hope our listeners uh, enjoyed this um, and maybe it gives them a little insight on, you know, well, you're people who follow you will listen to this and maybe, you know, get an insight of what street photography is all about and vice versa. So I think that's, that's all good. I mean, we're all, we all do this for the love of the craft and um, whatever we decide to shoot, then it's, um, and we have to follow our heart for that. So. Absolutely. Awesome. So where can people go see more of your work and uh, check out your podcast? Well, everything's linked to martinbaileyphotography.com. So if you head over there, you know, there, there's a, a menu at the top and you can get to everything I'm up to up there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Martin. That was so much fun. Absolutely. It was my pleasure, Valerie. So thanks for having me. Thank you. And we are at the end of another episode of Street Focus. Please head over to thisweekinphoto.com street to subscribe to the show and check out the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and to leave a rating and also share uh, on social media. My name is Valérie Jardin and you've been listening to Street Focus. Now it's tri- time to grab that camera and hit the streets or the wilderness. <laughs> Bye-bye.